Hi there. Welcome to Finding Space with Alex Tyson, the show that celebrates the everyday legends who put in the hard work to become who they want to be and live the life they want to live. For people who understand that when we practice compassion and find wisdom within ourselves, we find success and happiness. Join me in hearing amazing stories from everyday individuals who have found incredible personal and professional growth through varied and, at times, wild methods of self-improvement and self-responsibility. And through their unique perspectives and work, have gone on to better the lives of those around them. From nurturing health to growing your wealth or enjoying the present to crafting your future, no aspect of life is off topic. And hey guys, just a quick note that we recorded this podcast before we rebranded our company from iHealth Saunas to Found Space. So if you hear any references of iHealth Saunas, that's why. Today, I'm sweating it out with Kristen Edwards. Kristen is a kinesiologist, mind-body medicine practitioner, and intuitive conscious leader. With experience in shamanic practices, ritual, meditation, self-love, and woman circles, Kristen's work centers around helping women find and embrace their own innate power. Kristen is also my lovely partner of eight years. It was such a joy having her on the podcast and a real moment for me. It was really rewarding having a powerful conversation about women empowerment with my love on the podcast. In this podcast, we unpack the four different stages of a woman's cycle, the challenges women face growing up in a male-dominated world, the contraceptive pill, achieving highest levels of health, and much more. This is a great podcast for everyone as well, not just women. Also, thank you so much for all the listeners of Sweated Out. If you like an episode and think it would be helpful for someone you know, please share it with them. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review and subscribe for episodes released every second Thursday. And so I give you Kristen Edwards. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is a really cool moment, actually, because I remember a couple of years ago when I was talking about, oh, I'd love to start a podcast and, you know, the last seven, eight years of my life has just been a journey of health <laughs> and work, <laughs> as you know, and I would probably would have had to pinch myself if I said, in a few years' time, I'll be running a successful business, successful podcast that people message me and say, these episodes are amazing and I have my amazing girlfriend, partner, lifelong lover of eight years on the podcast to have a really amazing conversation. It's just such a cool moment. So, I'm I'm feeling very blessed to be uh, experiencing this moment with you. Yeah. Thank you. You'll make me emotional by saying all those things. <laughs> <laughs> that was not the intention. Um, to kick things off, why are so many women scared of their periods? Mm, well, I think you can go a long way back there. I guess from my own experience, I grew up and nobody really like – Nobody really talked about periods. Like you didn't go down that aisle in the supermarket where like the tampons and pads were or anything like that. And if you if your mum bought that, it was almost like it was hiding it from you as well. This was my experience and I know it can be the experience for a lot of other women. It's like there's a level of making you feel like you had to hide it. Like it was a taboo thing. You didn't talk about it. You didn't talk about when you had your period. You hid it. You kept it secret. Like even when you come to the age where you start bleeding in school, like 
it's, you know, if you were to say to your teacher, like, oh, I've got my period, oh, don't, like the male teachers would be like, oh, I don't want to know, don't want to know. And the female teachers like didn't even, I don't know, there was just a lack of communication about it, I think, for me growing up. And so that made me curious about it. But also I think that's what ends up playing out in most people's lives is that they just hide it. It's not that they're scared of it, it's that they hide from it. And in the hiding from it, we're not really embracing all of ourselves as women. And when we don't embrace all of ourselves as women and we try to live in a way that maybe doesn't honour the feminine aspects of ourselves that, you know, relate to those things of bleeding, then perhaps we have things come up that create illness or pain or other things on the track. So then we start to not like our period. Oh, it's it's a hindrance to have to bleed. It's painful. It, I get a headache. I get grumpy. All of these like symptoms start to come out when we deny who we are at our core and then we end up being scared or not liking our bleeding time. Mm, or res- or resenting it almost or it's yeah. like, oh, they've got to go through this thing. Again. Yeah, yeah. And I think society kind of plays into that as well. I mean, you can go back and think about how our world is, has been very patriarchally dominated. So, it's no wonder that there has been a denying of the feminine and of our feminine things that happen to us. Yeah, it's part of culture. You mm-hmm. know? When I was growing up, it was, like, it was always that throwaway line like, with your girlfriend when you're in high school. Like, oh, she's on a period. Yeah. It's kind of disgusting when you think about it. And the way that it said like, oh, she's on her rags and things like mm. that. Like, again, it's all these connotations that are negative. And so, you know, the more input you have on a subject – the more you develop your opinion and your experiences or your beliefs around that subject. And if you're, the connotations are always seen kind of negative or hidden, like it's no wonder that so many women have so many issues with their period and have so much hatred and pain and denial of that, like going on the pill and like going on the pill to get rid of your period or skipping your periods and things like that. Like, wow, that's makes me sad to think about and, you know, I used to be there. I used to do all of those things. I was on the pill. I would I would skip my period because it was annoying to me and all of those sorts of things as well. But I'm sure we'll go into, I guess, the story of those things soon. But yeah, that's probably, there's so many different layers to it. There's so many different layers to the denial of the feminine in our culture. And then that has flowed onto the denial of our bodies in this culture too. Mm. What does... What does it actually look like in sex ed when you learn this stuff? Because I imagine it's like, go and get a tampon, put it in you, don't whinge. I didn't even have sex ed for these things at school. Like that in itself, like I'm sure that some schools maybe had more in-depth things. My school, we talked about the male anatomy a little bit and then they didn't go into the female anatomy at all what he the teacher just I don't know what happened with it he chose not to and so we never learned and by the time that that's happening in school as well most girls are having their period because that's like maybe year nine or ten you go into like sex ed stuff a lot of girls are getting their period in primary school like grade six it can happen year seven like those early years some people are later everyone's different obviously but you know, the, all of that information 
is needed almost earlier. Like talk to these girls when they're like nine or 10 and, and explain to them and tell them how wonderful it is. And I do with, the, I work with some clients that are around that age and the mums always are like, can you have period chat with my daughter? Because like, it's such, it should be a celebration. And I remember when I got my first period, I was so embarrassed and like, I knew what periods were. And I knew that when I needed to, I could ask like mum for like how to use a pad and all those sorts of things. But I was still mortified, like embarrassed to do that. I remember I was in ballet class and I got my period and I was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to put some toilet paper and deal with that later. And I didn't tell anyone for a whole 24 hours. And even at ballet school, I knew in the first aid kit they had things that, and it's all women there, but you still don't have this like nourishment of being able to honor that transition phase. And I remember my dad singing like, I don't know, he was singing some song about being a natural woman and it just mortified me even more. But he was probably celebrating it more than anyone else in a sense, <laughs> which is kind of cool. But yeah, and then you you just kind of go through school and through life dealing with this thing and like there's like a camaraderie that happens of like dealing with the negative of it, but there's not a camaraderie that happens like celebrating that mm. aspect. Mm. I think the word you used there was dealing with it. That's mm-hmm. just how the culture says we need to handle yeah. it. You just deal with it, put up with it. Yeah. And then that goes into adulthood where you go to like you start working in like a nine to five job and you're just expected to show up the same every single day, no matter if you're going through different phases of your emotions and your body's phases where your body's asking you to like slow down a bit and you still push through and like take a Panadol and just get to work. Whereas really like if we're experiencing pain, that's the body's way of communicating with us. And perhaps we need a culture that can embrace us being able to rest more around that time of the month or transitioning into a job that allows that to happen as well, which has been really important for me in my life. Mm, I love that. Let's get into some of the actual phases of the cycle uh, because I've been very lucky as, as you've really, you've taught me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> for, you know, I imagine for most blokes, it's like she's on a period or she's not. Yeah. Or do you even know she's on a period? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Maybe you only find out when you, you know, trying to have sex and then <laughs> oh, I'm on my period. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, so what, what are the different phases? Yeah. So the first day of your cycle is the first day that you start bleeding. Now, most women actually get their period overnight. So you'd wake up with it in the morning and in more ancient times that would happen more clearly. But now we live in a world that kind of has different stresses and in things that impact us, maybe having that regularity. And so periods can vary a lot in the way that I'm going to talk through the the cycle. So, um, the first day of the bleed is the first day of your cycle. So, if you're if you're counting your cycle and tracking your cycle, which I recommend all women I work with, is like track your cycle, whether it's in your phone or like I like to do it manually in my journal. Um, 
And then you have your bleeding part, which is your menstruation phase. And the way that I teach um, younger girls or even even my age or older how to um, work with the cycles is to fit them into the seasons um, and fit them into the moon phases. So the moon goes through its cycle 29 and a half days and the women's cycle is between 28 and 32 days. And traditionally it was around 29 and a half days. It fitted up perfectly with the, the moon. Now this, as I said, can vary a lot depending on lots of different stresses and impactors in our environment. Um, so if yours is like way longer or way shorter and you're hearing this and you're like, no, that's not me, take it and work it out for you. But in any sense, we go through four seasons within our cycle, just like the moon goes through its four main phases of the new moon, the f- a half moon, the full moon, the half moon, first quarter, last quarter, all of those sorts of things. And each of those um, cycles correspond to a season. So, the bleeding phase of our cycle is our winter time. So, if you think about winter in terms of a season, what do you want most to do in winter? Like if it's cold outside. Yeah, you kind of want to like snuggle up and not do much and go inward and spend time with yourself. Be warm, have warming foods, have things that make you feel nourished and just really like having a bit of that introspection time of being able to, you know, a lot of us sometimes can isolate a little bit in winter and and really just use that time to go inward. So, the the bleeding time corresponds with that and that would be the recommendation of the way that I would approach that time of the month is using having as many rest days as you can fit in within your life, planning your life around your period in a sense and being like, okay, if I'm going to be bleeding on this day, how can I make it so I can have that day off and rest? And you know that you've you've witnessed me doing that in, in my day-to-day life. If I'm bleeding, like let's reschedule clients and do things like that because I need, I know I need that rest day to be able to be my most healthful self the rest of the month. Um, and yeah, so winter, winter phase. So if we break the cycle that 29 and a half days up into four segments we're getting like just around seven or eight days per segment now some women bleed for only three days some we may bleed for seven eight depending on what it is I mean it's in general the most women that I work with bleed around four four days so after that four days finishes you're still kind of coming through winter but you're stepping into like that spring phase into that next week of the cycle I like springtime <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's when you're like you you're um like you're estrogen gets and picks back up again and you can feel like oh I'm, I'm ready to like be out in the world a little bit more and if we think about springtime it's like that time that we're excited like new life is coming out and like we're, we're planting ideas as goals and things like that we want to put out into the world so that's often how we feel in that time of our cycle um and I just want to preface one other thing like sometimes like at the moment I'm in my summer phase which we'll get to but I'm having like I still have days where I feel more wintry and it can still like you know there's always yin within the yang and yang within the yin that can kind of flow in there so even though you might be in your spring phase maybe if you were like go 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 that whole week you would maybe need a day that's a bit more wintry (laughs) um but in general we're working on the sort of uh archetypes of that you would be feeling more energized and ready to put some goals out and some intentions out into the world and really like get clear on what you want to take action on it's also a really good time to be um starting out new 
health things and new exercise regimes, it's when your energy is picked back up again. So it's like, okay, now I can go and do those things that maybe during my rest week I, I eased off a little bit. And then after that, we move into our summer phase. And so the summer phase corresponds to the time of ovulation and the full moon. If you see the ovulation time as like a white egg, it corresponds with when the the full moon is there. Now, you might have the opposite. You might be bleeding on the full moon and, and ovulating on the new moon. But I always see it as if you're ovulating on the full moon, that says that your body's like, hey, like I'm in ample stage to be like, conceiving or for fertility whereas if it's the opposite way it's like I want to be of service like maybe medicine woman type um, aspects but I mean it, it can be variant for everyone and the full moon corresponding to the ovulation time really um, makes sense to me in terms of if we were living out in nature, like in more ancient times, we would be sleeping and seeing our body would be seeing the moon phases as we sleep. Yeah. And so the full moon and the light from the moon would be signaling to our body it's time to ovulate and that's the correspondence of why that fits together but we live in an environment that we see a lot of different lights at night time so that's probably why it can also affect some irregularity around that so if you do notice you have irregularity how can you sleep in a darker room as possible and then right around the full moon just open your blinds so that the moon comes in and you can signal to your body to help to track into a more regular cycle. Um, and summertime, ovulation time, summertime, what do you like to do in summer? I like to go out, go to the beach, you know, be outside, be very active. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm generally eating maybe a bit lighter as well and yep. I'm just it's just energy in yeah. the summertime. Yeah. And very social as well. Yes, social. Yeah, yeah. a lot of socialising happens in summer. So, it's the time when you are like – the least impacted by other people and you've got the most love to give to other people and you can really connect into that summary like out and about and you know having the most on at that time your body will be able to handle it so that's a great time to be scheduling more social events in then after summer what happens is we move into autumn and this is often the phase that most people dislike the most yeah because autumn is a time where the leaves fall away from the trees we become fully bare if we were considering ourselves to be the autumn trees and everything's on show and that could mean that all the things that you maybe all the little niggles that were impacting you before but you were able to brush off now are like coming really to light because you've just taken everything else away. It's like the think about like maybe a riverbed and then the water has like pulled away and all of the cracks on the bottom and dirt and everything like that is visible to be seen (laughs) (laughs) for an analogy. It's like the Murray River. (laughs) Yeah, but like that is a time that we often can have the least, like a shorter temper. We um, are actually super creative in that time and when we don't channel our creativity into something, we will create drama. Yeah. And so um, that could be in our physical health, that could be in our emotional health, it could be with our partner, it could be just like, you know, having that short fuse. And so it's a really dynamic time. And when we channel that dynamic energy into like creative pursuits, it can actually allow us to um, sort of step into our femininity more. And so winter and autumn are, are the most yin times, yeah? And spring and summer are the most yang times. So if we think about that in the context of like 
more masculine and feminine, um, not meaning male and female, but just more the energy that's associated with those two things. Um, it makes sense why maybe autumn into winter, we don't, we find it harder to make decisions. And this is where, you know, you and I have really, um, had you know found common ground on this because you know like as I'm moving into autumn phase and especially getting closer to winter phase if I have to make decisions it really stresses me out doesn't it yes (laughs) (laughs) and so you being able to hold space and kind of step into your masculine in a stronger way and and guide me and lead me really allows me to feel nourished and not feel like I have to be stepping into making decisions or taking action which is for me, feels more masculine. Um, and yeah, and so then once you hit that winter time again and the, the, the period returns, that's, you know, the, that full cycle completing. And you can see how that cycle happens in our, our year calendar, in the year that we live with our seasons. You can see how that happens in the month calendar with our menstrual cycle and the, the uh, moon cycle and even if you're not bleeding like if you've got a synthetic cycle because you're taking contraceptive or you've moved through that point in your life or you're not even there yet you can work with the moon phases in the exact same way to really nourish and connect with nature and our true natures and it's interesting to notice the more that you step into really working with those things where I've noticed my clients working with those things as women, their cycles regulate better. They can get clear on why symptoms are coming up and they can really honor their bodies, which allows them to live a more full life. Like use those phases as your superpower rather than as something that you have to deal with, like we said before. Mm, yeah, it's a beautiful framework mm. and it just, it gives, uh, even from my perspective, it gives clarity around perhaps why uh, you're feeling the way you're feeling or why, um, you know, a particular woman's saying something, um, you know, which sometimes can be sometimes can be challenging. You know, one thing I learned was in the autumn time, uh, as you're coming up to your bleed, um, sometimes you say things and that's not, it's not what you mean you know (laughs) or it's not like it's not even about me right but it's just you're in that time and I know that in those moments that's where I really need to step into my masculinity and like you said the energy around that not just being like a macho bloke because that's not necessarily masculine but really understanding that um, I'm there and I'm present with you and I'm holding space for you and I'm, I'm, I'm looking after you and I'm tending to you in the best way that I can and supporting you the best way that I can as your partner, which uh, just brings an ease to the situation instead of, you know, so many, the way that us blokes work is like, oh, she said that. Well, she must mean every single word that she just said mm-hmm. to the T. It's yeah. like, well, that's not the case. No, no it's just, <laughs> she's just feeling this way, you know. Because she's in the autumn phase. She's coming up to her bleed or she started to bleed and perhaps I haven't supported her enough. And Mm -hmm. these cycles uh, and and the way that you've used the analogy of the seasons is brilliant because it gives clarity to that. You know, and then there's times when I see, you know, like you're walking down the street and you just see like, from my perspective again, you see a beautiful woman and they're just like, they're glowing and they're buzzing and, you know, maybe they've just been to a workout or something. It's like, yeah, she's definitely in her summer phase. Like, <laughs> you she, she's just pumping. Like, look at her, you know, yeah, she looks she's amazing. Ob- she's ovulating. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> because exactly. you often can look more attractive to yourself and to other people around that time as well because, like, that's 
I mean, your most fertile time. So mm. you're really trying to attract a mate to mate with you at that time. So it's often when you feel the best about your body and the other times you cycle, maybe not so much. But that could be different to anyone depending on the stresses in the environment that are changing things. Yeah, and I also like the analogy of the seasons too because like you said, just because you're in the summer phase of your cycle – that doesn't mean that there won't be some days when it's raining. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah, I like that. And it doesn't mean that there won't be some days when you do want to go inward. Yeah. You know, if you work yourself to the bone, you'll probably want to do that. Yeah. You know? And so, I, I like that because the weather is always different. Uh, over a period of time, yes, the seasonality. Mm-hmm. However, within that, it ebbs and it flows and it, yeah. it's hot and it's cold. And Yeah. Um, how do you kind of... You touched on the yin and the yang and I've had some beautiful conversations on the podcast prior about that, but how do you sort of use that as a way to to gain more understanding of the cycles mm-hmm. and also the masculine and the feminine? Mm-hmm. I, I'd love to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. I, I often think about the yin and the yang as like for the overarching way to, to perceive it is that um, the yang – perhaps being the more masculine is more output outward focused so there's like more output and whereas the feminine is more input yeah so if you literally think about um mess this up here (laughs) (laughs) you can move it around (laughs) i'm just playing with the microphone um yeah, so it's and so for the feminine, it's more inward. So it's like, are you giving or are you receiving? So the masculine or the more yang phases would be more about being able to give and have that out, outward focus, whereas the yin phases are more the receiving. Yeah, and so the giving actually comes to yourself, or the receiving from other people, receiving help, or receiving just rest. You know, and the masculine being more of that action and like taking charge and making decisions and being clear and getting clarity and in and being able to take action on those. Whereas the feminine would be more that rest and receiving and receiving clarity in a sense of being able to just be more, be more with yourself, like be rather than do, you know? And like, I think we live in a world that is very focused on the doing and this probably corresponds to why we often reject the feminine cycle. But the thing is we're called human beings, we're not called human doings. <laughs> so if we never ever like, <laughs> have I ever said that to you? You have, but I, every time I hear it, it's like, yes. Yeah, because it reminds us like we're not, yeah, we're not here just to do. We're here to be as well and it's fun to do things and it's fun to take action and, and put the things out that we want in, our, in the world. But if we never take time for the being, how can it be truly like integrated and embodied and in alignment? and in balance with who, who we are. Like we need a balance of the both. And I think in relationship, like talking about the masculine and feminine, you know, we find the balance of like when you, you, you know, I prefer to be more in my more yin feminine state. That's just how I like to be more watery being. And you prefer to be more in your yang state. So that works the polarity between us. But sometimes there are times when you want to be more yin and I can take notice of that and be like, okay, how can I step into my yang? Or there's times that I want to be more yang and maybe you step in your yin. Or if I'm working with clients, I, I want to be more yang so that they can be more yin, you know? And so that makes it most of the other time I just want to be in my yin space (laughs) so thanks for being the right the right match for me in that (laughs) um but yeah it's just being able to to embrace those different polarities and work with them they could they could be different to different people like there are always like 
something that it's making me think of is like there are always different reasons and scenarios about things like you can google them and be like oh what is a divine feminine and what is a divine masculine and there are things that you read in that that resonate but there's also a level of just being able to trust what feels more nourishing and more yin to you and what feels more you know exciting and yang in as the opposite trust what the messages that you get it might be different to me it's it depends how detached you are from your own self I guess as to whether those answers are maybe truly helping you but the more that you listen to that inner compass the more that you can identify what those things are yeah it's also the balance of how extreme you are in your yin or your yang or your masculine or your feminine yeah if you're like really always in your masculine and doing and in that yang state yeah and maybe it's really extreme maybe you're running ultra marathons all, all day and running a multi-million dollar business and doing mm-hmm. all these things, then the yin to balance that out perhaps doesn't need to be the complete most yin exercise in existence, mm-hmm. right? Like maybe it can just at least have something to sort of balance that out to some degree. Yeah. And everyone's different. And like I identify with being a female and I connect with my more feminine essence so I'm probably going to want to be sitting in that space more but you identify as a male and in your more masculine essence so you can probably stay more in that masculine phase but everyone has both the yin and yang within them it's just the amounts that vary between each human and the noticing like if you if you do are bleeding with the feminine cycle and you relate to any of this stuff like how can I bring in more of that yin especially for years if you have rejected your cycle or haven't allowed yourself to be embodied in your feminine. It's really hard in, you know, it comes back to culture. Mm. Like we said at the start, our culture has dictated that the cycle, the female cycle and periods are almost taboo. Or a hindrance. Or a hindrance or a pain or they're in the way. Um, And it's the same thing in terms of uh, doing, you know, you have to be doing something. Mm. <laughs> you on have all to the be time. achieving. Yeah. You have to be productive. Yeah. And so then when you don't do that, it's confronting for some people. Mm, because then there's, and then it comes back to it's like, why are you doing? Like, are you doing because you feel like you have to prove yourself? Or are you doing because if you feel like you're not doing something, you're not enough? Or you're not, you know, as productive as you could be? Like, how can you be comfortable with being? And that's like, I mean, I've listened to Brendan's podcast really recently that you had him on and oh, it's just, there's so much, there was so much wisdom in that around like being able to step into that being state. And it's so important. And we live in a world that doesn't, hasn't perhaps taught us that in the past. And so it's no wonder that we shy away from those more feminine being states because what happens when you're in a being state is your shit comes up (laughs) you know (laughs) you and i know this (laughs) from you know being in being state for long periods of time at at once as well like that's hard because then all your stuff comes up and there's no distractions like even when we're in our what week to week month to month cycle whatever you might go in your being state and be like oh, I don't want to go there. I'm just going to watch some Netflix to rest instead. But like, what if you just sat there with yourself and like really got into that being state? Oh, that's scary. (laughs) (laughs) But like, that's like, how can you get to that? You know, but at the beginning, sometimes it's just being able to just switch off and 
I mean, putting putting down screens is always a good way to really rest and allow things to come up. But if you go, go, go all the time and you need that to chill out, then do that. At least get to this, that part of being in yin to begin with. Mm-hmm. I always find it so fascinating observing myself but also others when talking about fasting. Mm-hmm. Because when you fast on water yeah. and you do it properly, you don't do anything. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and people are so curious. But 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 what do you do, Alex? Yeah. What what do you mean? Wow. Well, you just get up and then you kind of sit in a chair and then yeah, you uh, you know, you might have your eyes open for a few hours and then you might close your eyes for a few hours and you sip water and then all of a sudden it's seven o'clock at night and you do a half hour meditation and then you go to bed, and that is just foreign, jarring, yeah, foreign. And people ask, but so what? No phones. Yeah. No, no. Oh, do you read? No, I don't really read. So, what do you do? <laughs> you don't do. Yeah, you're a human being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it, I've it, noticed that too. Mm-hmm. It's like they're so concerned with, like, like you never ask someone, oh, what, how have you been? How, how are you being? Like, how are you just being in day to day? It's always, what are you doing? Mm, so true. I'm guilty of that. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's, it's, it's this culture, it's this world that we're in. Mm-hmm. Which is why it's so it's so challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I found that a lot building a business over the last four or five years, right? And then you get to a point where you need to rest, mm-hmm. so or you, it's forced upon you. Yeah, it's forced upon you. Yes, yeah. Uh, and in my case, it was forced upon me by migraines if I was working too much. Yeah, you know, too too stressed, doing 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 doing, and then yeah. at one point, my body's like. Okay, well, you're just going to keep doing, so I'm going to stop you from doing. Yeah. Um, cop this migraine for the next six hours. Yeah, and I'm sure so many like women can relate to like when their period does come, or like the day before, they fall in a heap, they get cramps, they get headaches, they get migraines, they just have all these physical symptoms come up, and it's like if you're experiencing all these physical symptoms, why is this happening again and again and again? Because have you taken any time for being that month or honoring yourself? And when you do. Do you notice a difference? Mm. Mm. Or uh, yeah, absolutely. So how do you ba- how do you balance the being and the doing? Mm-hmm. I mean, that seems like if we answer that question, I feel like we become millionaires. <laughs> 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 like how do you how, how do you balance that out? And how do you how do you keep a gauge of knowing when you're doing too much? Like what are some of the signals? And then how do you know if you if you're being too much (laughs) what are the signals for that yeah it's hard because there's so many different like slight variations of like when when you speak about like how do you know if you're being too much for example like you could feel really stagnant you could feel like a lot of stuckness kind of come up but that could also still happen if you're being too yang yeah i think it's like how can we get into our bodies, in our fullness and integrate our wombs, our hearts and our minds. And even if you're a male, you still have a a celestial womb and that area of your being. Um, How can we get into that space? So like get really grounded and really like in balance in who we are so that we can actually listen to the cues because every person is different. And when we're all up in our head all the time, 
that can be when we're stuck in the doing phase because when we're in our head, we maybe disassociate from our body and then we can't really listen to the cues that our body's giving us to tell us to slow down, yeah? So it's even like the one of the key things that I suggest to people is like how can you bring more mindfulness into your day and more awareness into your day? Even just by when you go to a new place, just taking your surroundings and opening up your awareness and opening up your mindfulness more because in that moment, it reminds you, oh, I'm not just a mind, like going whatever it is. It's like, oh, I'm actually here in my body. Or every time you put your seatbelt on, it's fun that, you know, you have that movement and putting your seatbelt on and you just take a moment and taking a a breath. And so like breathing is a really big aspect of it. But for like we're so lucky as um, for the female side of the race to be able to use our cycles to tell us when we should be, we could be more yang and more yin, you know. Males go through a much different cycle and it's much can be much quicker. Um, but you can still correspond with the moon. But perhaps when you're – you go through things quicker, so it's like more of like a 24 to 48 cycle. I'm not, I'm not very well versed on it. Um, but for females, it's really easy to be able to just work with your cycle to begin with and see where that takes you. Um, when you are feeling that you're being too yang, you'll notice you'll fall in a heap or you'll get home from work and you'll just be like dead. I mean, you used to, you were experiencing this when you were building your businesses. And then when I was talking about playing with this yin and yang, the thing I really noticed at the most was when Alex used to get home from work after he'd been like slogging away all day and being a bit stressed as well, that I knew that he just needed to be in his yin. And I would be like, come here. And I would just like be in my yang and hold you like and support you and then like make you dinner and those sorts of things that I knew that would allow you to not have to like do anything. Um, or even like really have to make any decisions. That that seems to relate for me. And then when you're being too yin and you're feeling like you're a couch potato and you can't get off and you're feeling lethargic and stuck, I would suggest looking into like your values and the things that you want to attract into your life and thinking about like what your goals are because then that can help you to get off the couch with motivation. Because sometimes it can come back to not feeling motivated when we kind of perceive as like when we're being too yin, I Mm. guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And one thing I'd like to add to that too, I think that's a really good, I think you kind of laid that out quite well. And one thing I wanted to add with regard to that motivation right at the end is that you don't have to be motivated to take action. No. And in fact, sometimes you need to take action even when you're not motivated because when you take action, you'll get some form of result yeah. and then that result will inspire you and motivate you to continue to take action again. Yeah, it's that triangle. But also like sometimes that action that all the action that you need to take is just going out in nature mm. because nature inspires us the most often and when we're so detra- detached from nature – is when we can't get inspiration from it. But if you go out there and you be present in nature and feel your feet on the earth and notice the butterfly flying past you and noticing the way that the trees connect together, that neutralizes your um, nervous system anyway. But also it can really allow you to gain, okay, clarity of like your being. Take a journal out and go and sit in a forest somewhere. Go to the beach. 
you know, you always feel revitalized after you've been out in nature. Yeah. Because it allows you to get back to that state of like more equilibrium. And then you can decide, okay, do I need a rest now? Did I, did I, did I work out too hard in nature and I need to just have a rest now? Or am I inspired and I can take action, write down my values and my goals and how can I align my life with those things? Mm-hmm. There's a really nice theme of balance happening here. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember I heard someone say, or maybe it was a little while ago, you know, like work-life balance was this thing, mm-hmm. I don't know, 10 years ago or something like that. And then someone said, you know what? Work-life balance is bullshit. It doesn't actually exist. And part of me thought, you know, I kind of get where they're going with that because, I mean, how do you really find this balance? But, you know, I think, no, you just need to work on it. <laughs> yeah. Whether it's work-life balance or whether it's yin-yang balance. Yeah. It's just having balance in your life and being connected in with nature is probably the best way <laughs> to find that equilibrium. Nature gives us all the lessons and all the answers, but we just forget to look at her. Mm. <laughs> how do you find how do you how do you define the difference between being and being in that yin state mm-hmm. and being present? Because, the difference between the two? Yeah. So are you meaning like you could be being but still not fully being present with with yeah, yourself. you could be in a yin state, but you could be not not present, or is that not possible? This is uh, no, it's it, it is possible, but what it, where it, it takes me is that let's uh, let's talk about meditation for a second. Yeah, you're trying to get in a more being state generally when you're meditating. Yeah, but you can do a more masculine um, meditation or a more feminine meditation. Yeah, mm. there's like. You know, we could we could do an overarching like this is this is yin and this is yang, but then within like all the yin, there's yin yang, yin yang like subcategories, mm-hmm. yeah. Or you could maybe you could see yoga as being more yin, but there's more yang yoga and more yin yoga, yeah. There's literally yin yoga, yes. <laughs> and so the other yoga is actually more yang, yeah? yeah. But maybe it helps you get into that yin state. But the real true yin state is. Almost like nothingness, you know, <laughs> to sound like Brendan when I say that, you know, that nothingness or Richard Rudd. Um, <laughs> numbness. <laughs> numbness, that numbness and that nothingness of just being able to be and allow the things to come up as they come up. Because most of us in the Western world, I would assume, have never truly gotten to that space of just being and fully being without things coming up. Because we're constantly in a state of avoiding that being, yeah? So, when we actually get to that being, then we have to deal with all the things coming up. And so, there's a little bit of like you're in a more yin state, fully in your being, but do you ever fully get to be, to yin? Mm. True yin? Mm, mm, mm. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I see where you're going with that because things have come up and you need to take action to deal yeah. with those things. But then there's also like, I know in more Eastern cultures, like I, I love working with tea and one of the, there's two different types of tea in the, the lineage that I've learned. One is leaves in a bowl sort of, um, which is to create more equanimity. So it's actually to help you to get a little bit more yin and just be like the, the mantra is everything is perfect. So how can I just perceive everything in every moment as perfect and finding that balance and that um, stillness within that. But then when you're cultivated that too much, they actually, you do gong fu, which is creating more, um, which I haven't learned, but it's create, there's a simplicity about it, but it's also 
actually activating your brain so that you have to remember the the perfect sequence of the way that you're meant to do things. So I I think that that's really beautiful. But but within both, there's still yin and yang, Mm. you know, Mm. within everything. Mm. You know, it's like you see the yin-yang symbol. Like it's not just yin. There's the yin within the yang and then the yang within the yin. And so Mm. that's where it is. And that's why, you know, even talking about the seasons and like if you're in summer, you might still have a winter day and that's okay. It's like stop trying to force your life to be a certain way and maybe just listen to your body and allow yourself to be with that whatever's coming up that day. Mm. And that's presence. (laughs) That is. That's presence. It's awareness, isn't it? It's like cultivating more awareness for you but also your surroundings and noticing how that impacts you. Mm. It's that letting go, that relinquishing. Mm Mm-hmm. And then that comes back to what David Dieter talks about, the masculine feminine, is that the feminine is in surrender and the masculine is in presence. Mm. Mm. But both really need to be together. So then when you're in that state, you can be fully balanced or in alignment. (laughs) I love that. It makes me think of the analogy around shooting shooting a bow. Like an arrow. Shooting an arrow. Yeah. Uh, and for the arrow to go forward, you've got to pull it backwards first. Correct, yeah. And to me, I think about that as to be able to go forth in life or to take action, <clears throat> you have to be in that yin state first to be able to cultivate mm. that energy yeah, yeah. and that, that uh, uh, jing, if you yeah, will, yeah. Um, to be able to then take action. And you hear that a lot in manifestation terms as well. Like you often hear like when – you, you take all this action and all put all the work in. You have that really yang week in a sense. And then it's always the week that you are in a more rested, receiving and flow state that the things come to fruition in a way, you know. And so, I mean, that would also depend on your beliefs. If you believe you couldn't receive when you're resting or whatever like that. that oh, there's another podcast. <laughs> that might prevent that. I mean, we could do a whole one on beliefs. I know you and I could talk for ages yeah. about that. But, um, yeah, it's that. Oh, okay. You, you, it's cultivating what you want. It's taking the action to do all the whatever the micro stuff for the things that you want. But then taking a step back and allowing the macro to sort it out. Mm. Mm. <laughs> How can women start to take some? <laughs> start to take some action. Gosh, I hope they're in their summer phase. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell he's more yang. <laughs> uh, if you're somewhere like having no connection with your cycle mm-hmm. and not enjoying your cycle, mm-hmm. what are some things uh, – I don't want to say do now. But connection. How can they – how can women connect more with their cycles mm-hmm. if they're currently not? Yes. Um, tracking your cycle is number one, but not just tracking it in an app just so you know like when your period is like getting to know like your body and how you feel through the different phases. Like all it takes is one month to to connect in with how you're feeling and just even like writing down your symptoms and your mood that day and connecting in with what – what that looks like throughout your cycle. You have a beautiful way of 
uh, diarising yeah, that. Yeah. Can you talk a, a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, I, what I call is I chart my cycle and I am in the process of getting this on my website sometime soon. But um, Walk us through it, baby. It's... You're making a giant pizza of your cycle. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Tell me more. So, um, I draw in my journal, I draw a circle over two pages. So, like an open page would be have the circle over the whole thing. And then I draw little lines to divide my big circle up into 30 little slices of pizza. Hopefully, that makes sense to people. That's the only the only template that I use. And then for each, for my first day of my cycle, I'll write the date and I'll write day one and I'll do I'll do a slice of the the pizza um, for every day of my cycle. And in that, I have a few different aspects. So I have a part that I cut, and I use it. I'm very visual, so I do write my symptoms down. But for the most part, I draw like colorfully like how I felt that day so I have a spot where I color in what my womb felt like like it did it feel warm did it feel cold did it feel inflamed like and I have different pinks and reds and purples that I correspond with that I write down if um, I do a love heart if I was you know feeling like self-pleasure was a key that day I do a colored in love heart if sex was a key that day I do flowers if I was feeling really sensual or I'd even write like a an X if I just was like, no, not in that like sensuality, sexuality thing at all. Like trust, like connecting in with how I feel. So I'm starting from the inward going out here. And then I track my dreams. So I write down the title of my dream that day. And then I have at the top of the wedge, I would write any symptoms that had come up. So if I was tired or if I had any pain or if I had like a pimple or a headache or whatever it is, I would write just write those down in notes and then I draw a line in the colour um, of what I was feeling to my mood. So, like, if I had, like, an elevated mood, I would draw, like, a a line that kind of sweeps up um, and I'd do a colour that corresponds to how I feel. I mean, that's your own kind of thing, however you feel. And then the only other difference is if I um, was bleeding or having discharge any of the days, I would also draw color in what that looked like over at the very top where I've put the number of my cycle. And then within this chart, I can write where the full moon is, where the new moon is, where the half moon is. I even like around the outside might write like if I had something major happen in my life or there was something major happening in the media or society or whatever like that and noticing like how um, that affects my mood and how that affects the next parts of my cycle because we are impacted by our environment a lot more than we realize so um, yeah does that make sense it's probably it's very hard to just describe something that's a very visual Hmm. um, aspect but I can send you a picture of one if you like. That makes sense so it's uh, you've drawn a circle you've divided it into 30 days Mm -hmm. and then on the ins on the like each each section of the circle is mm-hmm. a day, yeah, and then you fill in certain <clears throat> um, parts of that yep. circle. Yeah, yep. the most important thing I would say is like your mood, um, symptoms, and um, what your bleed look like, and or ovulation or discharge look like. If you're getting discharge in your underwear, like even drawing what that look like because that corresponds to different things going on. Um, and then I always write if I felt more sensual or sexual as well because I think that's important to notice and start to see patterns because if then the whole month you've got just X's like 
okay, what's going on here? Like, is there right. something I need to look at? For the whole month you've got love hearts. Oh, wow, that's pretty exciting, isn't it? So, um, and there's different days that you'll, you know, you feel more attuned with that and without it. And when the more that you start to visually like write that down, if you're in a partnership with someone else, it can make it a lot clearer for them to be able to see what's happening. Like I write it in my journal, but I know of women that do a similar thing and they hang it in a calendar and they hang it on their wall so their kids and their partner can see it. Like- there's no need to hide. Is this based on the day before, the day prior? Hmm? Or do you, so you do it in the morning. I do it in the morning the from before. the day before. Yeah. yeah. Or you could do it in the evening for that day. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. I love that. There's just this beautiful connection with self mm-hmm. that comes out of that tracking something like that. And I've I've been I've seen like the end result of like a month, and it's this beautiful, colorful thing, mm. and um, it's. It's data in a way. Yeah. You know, and it's not data that some app's going to track. No. I mean, a lot of these apps have some amazing ways that they can do things now, but I don't know. There's just something so connected about like writing it for yourself. But if that's not for you, then there's some amazing period apps out there where you can track and put a lot of this data in anyway. But at the end of the month, you don't usually have this visual that you can look at. And if someone does have an app that they can tell me that gives all of that, send it to me because I'll be giving it to my clients as well. But um. Yeah. It's, it's also a beautiful way to remain present in your body too because you're reviewing the previous day, mm-hmm. which also helps with memory. But and clarity. Yeah, you're also staying very in tune with your body. Yeah. Instead of letting a week go by and be like, oh, yeah, I think there was one day where I felt pretty bad and my womb didn't yeah. feel great. And know? it's always that, like, you know, there's been times where I've, like, fallen off the, the wheel and not done it for a few days and then I have to go back and it just is not as valuable and then – my cycle might change and I'd be like, oh, the more connected we can stay with and present we can stay with ourselves. It's like you're, you know how you were saying like when you're in your masculine, it's more about holding space for me. If you're doing that to be connected with my yin, it's like how can you hold yourself in your masculine like each morning so that your yin has the ability to flourish and do what she needs to do within your own self? Mm-hmm. So... Tracking periods. Mm-hmm. Tracking periods. I mean, the other thing that comes to mind is if you are on the birth control pill um, or taking any sort of birth control, just doing your research and making sure that it is benefiting you in the long term because it can – there's a lot of information out there about how it impacts your hormones and your fertility from different sources down the track. I mean, everybody's different, of course, and it's hard to – put a blanket on um, one thing because every female is different, but just noticing like if that actually feels like the right thing for you, obviously I'm not a doctor or anything like that. And if your doctors recommend it, then go with what your doctor says. But it's also how can you have the discernment to, to trust if, you know, not experiencing your cycle to its fullest is truly the right thing for you. That is a very political way of, <laughs> of sharing that message. Uh, and maybe we'll um, go, yeah, we could really go down that path, but maybe we'll, we'll move on from that. Yeah. Um, good points, however. If you wanted to take your connection with your cycle to the next level, mm-hmm. what are some things? That- Working with the moon. Ah. Working with the moon is a really magical way to connect with your cycle. 
So even and even holding like and you can do this with the moon or you can do this when you first start bleeding is like holding almost like a little self ceremony and like self care rituals that you do like when you first bleed. Um connecting into like setting some intention at the start of your cycle and pulling some cards or having a dance or whatever feels like self-care for you or a bath and just allowing making space for that really nourishing yin time whatever feels most nourishing for you um and then the other side of that could be like uh being mindful about the kind the material of underwear you use like you're using more synthetic things and looking after your yoni care and um I use what yoni in place of vagina, um, just in case someone doesn't know, um, just because it conceptualizes the whole, not just the vaginal part. Um, and you're looking at using cups if that feels right for you. Or there's period undies now that you can use. And it's just like this, we're so lucky to live in an age that we do now, especially as like a younger girl, that you have so many choices of how to respond or how to use that or even look up free bleeding and things like that. There was a lady that ran there, was it the New York marathon? And she was bleeding and she just like free bled the whole time. <laughs> and that. it's, yeah, there's some really cool stuff, but it's, and that also helps to break through the taboo is like talking about that, embracing that and being okay with like the fact that you have blood and, you know, if your partner, I mean, you, I'd love to actually ask you a question because you- I'm sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> you have not always been so um, okay with, with blood. I mean, you were okay, always okay with the fact that I had my period, but like being around the blood sometimes in the past, maybe perhaps wasn't, didn't feel super good or nourishing for you. Yeah. Um, do you, would you share with us why and how you overcame that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I had a traumatic, well, <laughs> maybe it wasn't traumatic, but it certainly stuck a with shock. me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, experience when I was younger and I was, um, you know, I was- Being uh, intimate. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was doing what 18, 17, 18, 19 year old boys do. And, um, you know, I was, I was sleeping around a bit and I just had this one sexual experience with a, with a, uh, a woman and she, blood just ended up everywhere mm. and I don't think it was I, I she probably wasn't tracking her cycle perhaps she didn't know when she was going to be bleeding next and all of a sudden there was blood all over me all and probably over her. her reaction then fed your reaction as well sure absolutely because yeah. I the reaction was certainly like shock horror yeah embarrassment all this stuff yeah um so I had that experience however I also just had that same experience that most guys had growing up that like, oh, periods is disgusting thing and oh, yeah. the women's bleed and I don't understand it and, you know, yeah. that kind of mentality. So, I had that mentality in my mm -hmm. head. Then I had this traumatic, well, not traumatic, but just unusual experience, which um, stuck with me. And so, there was always uh, an aversion um, to, um, there was always an aversion to kind of, I guess, going into that space and understanding, you know, and I started reading and hearing about people who still have sex whilst um, the, the woman's on her period. And I'm just like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, no, you know, and so th those kind of things are really triggering for me. Um, and so this was all kind of in my mind, right? During and our relationship. Du yeah, during our relationship, you know. Um, and and then you really started to... to um, 
feel into what we've been talking about today more. And, I think there's and, and, what, can I add one sure. thing? There was one, um, there was a, a key point I think that I want to mention as well is, and I, I know we said we'd move on from this subject, but I came off the birth control pill and really tried to embrace my cycle. And you were a big um, advocate for me doing that before mm. you even knew what that meant. Mm, 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 so, yeah, sorry, mm, continue. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and yeah, so there was that. I had all this stuff in my mind and then you started getting more into your cycle and um, and and working with your period more. Um, and yeah, I guess the one of the beautiful things about our relationship is that, or, or any relationship actually, is that you'll bring out the best in each other. Uh, and a lot of the time that can be quite challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember you just started, um, you just started asking me like why, like, why can't we have sex when I'm on my period? And and I'm just like, um, <laughs> well. Uh, it's and, messy. And, but it was interesting because deep down I knew that there really isn't any reason not to. Yeah. Right? Something inside of me knew that that was the fundamental truth. Like, why, why wouldn't, why shouldn't we? Mm-hmm. And. But then that was contrast against all this cultural programming that I'd had. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so that was kind of how it kind of kicked off. And I guess now I just have much more understanding of of the cycle in general and what that means for women uh, and what that means for men too and how they can play a part in supporting their woman and how their woman can support the men, you know. And so I have a, a much better understanding about that now. And so... I'm much more used to the idea of talking. You know, there's there's some beautiful uh, women who do uh, like period workshops out in the woods and, you know, they really help women connect with their periods and like they're painting blood on themselves and it's quite um, earthy and this really... Um, primal. Be- primal, primal, thank you. Uh, experience, uh, which, you know, if you read about it in the news, <laughs> people would think it's pretty out there when really like, is it? Yeah. You know, these are what we need to do to really sh- break through that taboo and show that it is actually just a beautiful part of the human experience for females to have a period and a cycle. Yeah. You know, I mean, the difference between a woman and a man is that a woman has a womb. <laughs> right? <laughs> the man part's still there, you know. Um, there's just so much more, uh, there's so much wisdom that comes with that. Yeah. And so... I just have a much better understanding of that now and appreciation for it. Um, so, I, I don't know if that answers your question. I think so. And I also wanted to add that it wasn't like an overnight change, like when I got on board that you got on board with with that. Like, I think I'm just thinking of other women out there that may perhaps are like, wonderful, I can do this, but like my partner's like not going to fully be able to like do these things the way that your perspective is. But I never thought that you, like back in the day, I didn't think that you would have that perspective either so it's like the more that we embrace ourselves in our fullness and really consistently show up in that way the more that it gives the partner the permission to know that that's okay and that's that's what is true you know Mm. Mm. yeah that's right and and it's a it's still a it's still an ongoing thing in that um i still feel some resistance there about talking about this stuff or, um, <laughs> you know, maybe we can talk more about, um, you know, some other ways that you can like give that blood back to nature, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember once I 
got out of the shower and there was like this jar of blood and I was like, what is that? And then it dawned on me and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. And like that was quite <laughs> triggering, right? But it's an interesting kind of thing to, to go through and, and, and it, it just highlights how much taboo there is around periods. And yeah, why, and why, the different why. levels that you can break through. Like you might be okay with tracking your cycle and shifting to a moon cup, but like are you actually open to like going to another level where you like collect your blood or you connect with your blood or you embrace your blood as something so life-giving and nurturing? And like sure, there is an aspect of it being, you know, elimination and detoxification, but there are so many like beautiful cells that were in are within that blood that could have created helped to create a baby that's like wow that's really life-giving in a way how can I collect that and give that to my plants in my house or back to nature that um is a way of you know completing this cycle of connecting back with nature in a way mm-hmm. yeah and you know we, we we touched on um being on the contraceptive pill and since then in my mind I've been thinking like do we want to go there and in some ways, I do actually want to go there for a brief moment because I, I think it's important. The theme here for me that's been really coming out is connecting back in with nature and connecting back in with who we are. Yeah. Periods and the female cycle is a part of being human. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, however, it's been cast as been this thing that we just have to deal with yeah. in our culture. Yeah. Um, and this idea of like coming back and finding and connecting in with the cycle for 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 women is like it's kind of like you're refining a bit of yourself as a person. Yeah. And for me, you talked about when I was um, never an advocate for you being on the pill because for me, that's moving away from who we are. It's unnatural. It's unnatural. It's literally we're putting something unnatural in the body. Yeah. And yes, some people, some um, many women, in fact, come off the pill and they don't have any issues Mm -hmm. that they can – Notice yep. physical symptoms or yep. emotional symptoms. Um, my mum was like that. She was on the pill for like 20 years, came off. Got pregnant straight away. <laughs> got pregnant straight away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, however, that's not always the case. Yeah. As we know, you went through so many, <laughs> you know, a, a roller coaster of, of um, emotional but also physical symptoms coming off the pill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, it was a step away from remembering who we are as people yeah and and i i do understand there's there's hundreds of reasons as to why women may need to be on the pill Mm -hmm. um but i would challenge you and say is there another way yeah and that's why it's just like can you be discerning that that can often be the handout that's given as a solution and perhaps it there's a deeper solution that you can go through, which might take a lot more work to get there, but in the long run, is it going to be better for you? It's just what I, and I'm not telling anyone to do anything certain unless you want me to, (laughs) but if you're, you know, if you're hearing this and says it's, it's sparking a truth within you, then that's what I ask you to trust is like, trust that discernment that you have within you. And I mean, you kind of kind of came to me when I did all this research and kind of came to me and said, these are all the reasons why I don't think that you should be taking something that's unnatural for your body. And it hit a chord within me. And I, and I was like, wow, yeah, no, I want to be practicing a more natural way of living. And I think that's how you and I often, that's how we really want to live. live. That's how we live. That's our goal of how we live our life. So, um, I'm so 
that was a key that was a key cornerstone in in me being able to do that and you know at the the brain fog that I had disappear afterwards for my symptoms was amazing. The anxiety that I had been experiencing, like panic attacks, like every couple of weeks, once I came off the pill, that stopped like pretty much straight away. That Those two things in itself, amazing to notice because I wasn't, I wasn't trusting myself when I was on it. I wasn't trusting what I was choosing to be right for my body when I was on it. That was my experience. Um, but then I, like Alex said, I did have a lot of hormonal issues that were like, kind of going out going crazy um and I worked really hard to <laughs> to balance that out but I did in even in the months after that have funnily enough male doctors recommend to me to go back on the pill to sort it out and when I want to get pregnant oh then we can figure this out then and that to me didn't sound like a solution that sounded like a band-aid and so I trusted that I wanted to deal with the root cause so that I could live a fuller life rather than living a half life because of doing something unnatural. That was just my perspective. And there's a beautiful metaphor there too, because uh, you went the natural, the natural (laughs) route. I don't particularly like that word because I think it's overused, but we went down the the route of doing the healing properly, Mm -hmm. not using the bandaid. Yeah. And that was like a five-year process. It was. <laughs> it was. But, I mean, there was a lot of other things that came into why that was a five-year process. Of course. Maybe not specifically the pill, but the pill was a maybe, what's the word? Like, it it started the momentum of my- Getting off it was a catalyst to a making catalyst, those changes. A catalyst to making those changes and a catalyst to going down the pathway of truly healing myself because- even though I didn't have as big a symptoms before I went on it once, then I went on it and came off it. Then all of a sudden it was like, all oh, these things that were like only little niggles at the beginning now coming off it are like mountains in front of my face, mm. on my face. <laughs> it was suppressing a lot of symptoms for you. It was suppressing a lot of things for me. And I was also not living the life that I wanted to live at that time too. And perhaps from an emotional perspective, it wasn't enabling me to trust, to follow my heart in a way. that That's what I noticed. Mm. Yeah. And since then, there's, you've just funded this beautiful connection with yourself. You know, I remember when we fasted last year and I was having issues uh, with my bowel movements after the fast. And I remember saying, once I moved through that, I was like, I just have this trust for my body that I've never had before. And I remember you were like, yeah, yeah, I mean, I kind of learned to trust my body because if <laughs> I didn't, I wouldn't get my period, <laughs> yeah. you know? And I was just like, oh, like, it, that just really hit home for me. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you've gone through this amazing journey now and, and uh, I've been lucky enough to see it uh, and witness it. Yeah. Um, and now you've come out the side, the other end in a lot of ways um, and you have this beautiful connection and you, um, you have this beautiful framework for your cycle, which sometimes I find really challenging because I'm like, I want to be in my winter phase. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you always get to be? In-? But that's that's my own shit coming up. But That's because you haven't taken your winter. Th- exactly, because I haven't. I haven't so, just been go in your winter phase. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't been in my yin enough or I've yeah. been doing too much. Uh, and I think communication has been a really key aspect of us f- being able to cultivate the way that we approach these things because if we like it's like you know what something that I thought of early when you were talking about like sometimes in that autumn phase 
maybe I say things that I don't truly mean. And it makes me think of like, obviously there's, there's a level of checking in with people to understand consent, but it's also checking in so that you can understand like your partner's cues and really like know what they mean because perhaps in the world that we live in, it's sometimes hard to communicate how we truly feel because we don't know. Yeah. And how can we create a space holding for each other to allow that, that truth to come out? Because often the thing that you're reacting at isn't the thing that you're actually right feeling, you know, it's like, Oh, I wish you would take the rubbish out or whatever it is. Or like, why did you leave the sink all dirty? Like, am I really actually angry about that? Or am I angry that I feel like I haven't been heard when you've, when I've said to you before, like, and I felt like you haven't listened to me and then that makes me feel disrespected. So then that's actually the thing I'm angry about and why do I feel disrespected and maybe do we need to have a, com- a conversation around that rather than the, the bin or whatever it is. Yeah, or I can just take some action and <laughs> just start showing more respect in that example. Yeah, yeah. But I think that the more that you hold space and when I'm telling you like, leave me alone or whatever it is. I, I don't think that this has happened anytime recently, but I remember I used to I used to say to you like, go away, leave me alone. But that wasn't what I truly wanted. And so that's very confusing for you. And so the thing that I always check in with myself is like, okay, how can I surrender a little bit in this moment and allow myself to open rather than contract? Because when I'm contracted, I can't, I can't, identify exactly what I need, exactly what I want, exactly what my body's telling me. And I also can't let anyone in to help me to discover those things. So it's like, how can I breathe and like even physically open up my body in that moment? And then when I open my body, I realize I do want to be in your arms and I do want you to be there and, and, um, and, and be, and listen to me. And the more that you're present with me, that allows that to happen too. Mm, Yeah. It comes back to presence. Because yeah. if you're present and you're conscious in that moment, you you'll just go into those moments and do what you need to do to come out the other side and work mm-hmm. through it, mm-hmm. as opposed to just like, oh, well, screw you, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, um, I need to get David Dieter on the on the podcast for sure. That'll be it. That'll be awesome. <laughs> um, I feel like we've covered a lot. Are you going to ask me the question? The question? (laughs) Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. And so, to do so- I mean, I live in the same house as you, so I could always come back on if you wanted me to. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. No, it's uh, it's been an absolute treat having you on and and having this conversation. I, I- I really think it's a, a very powerful conversation to have and, and to have a more deeper understanding of um, the female cycle, but just in, just in general. And I just love these analogies about the seasons and I mm-hmm. think we can really integrate that into our life in a beautiful way and give us a bit more of an understanding, Yeah, a bit more of a, ah, oh, it's all good, it's okay. Yeah. You know, a bit more ease, a bit more. And we always talk about that in our circles, like with women, of the circles of women I congregate in but being able to have like a male's perspective and perhaps some of this information going to men that wouldn't normally be able to receive that information that's really exciting to me yeah i again this is from my perspective (laughs) because i'm a guy (laughs) but i think there's so much work to be done educating men 
yeah. about the female cycle. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that actually there's so much work to be done educating women mm-hmm. about their own cycles, uh, but at the same time yeah. um, educating men because the more understanding um, we have, the, the more we can be of better service, better lovers, uh, better friends um, to our girlfriends and our partners and our wives um, and our children. And our mums and our yeah, sisters. <laughs> exactly right. Um, the, mo- the more we know, the, the better people we can be around them. Yeah. Um, so, I, th- I think it's a really, really cool conversation. So, um, Kristen. Yeah. What's the sweatiest you've ever been? Um, we were talking about this over dinner the other night because um, when Brendan – when Brendan came on the podcast, my and I always thought about what would I say if Alex ever asks me this on the podcast? <laughs> and the answer that I was going to give was actually a very similar answer to, to Brendan when I was in India on Vipassana. I was, I was sweating so much that I didn't even realize I was sweating because I was also meditating. But I thought of one that I was more sweaty. Oh. Um, I had been – we'd been traveling around Italy together and then I went off to go on my own little solo adventure and I got the boat from Bari in Italy over to um, Dubrovnik in Croatia and I had my backpack. I was, didn't know when I was coming home after this and I had a backpack on the front and a backpack on the back and I got to Croatia and after being in Italy where I can get by with speaking the language, it was very like jarring to like not even know how to say anything and to also be alone whilst I was doing that. And so the accommodation, the hostel I was staying at was a little bit of a walk, but I was like, look, it's like eight or nine in the morning. Like it's not that hot yet. And I didn't have, because I didn't have any cash to buy a ticket on the bus. And I was also like a little bit scared to like try and figure that out in that moment. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to walk to the hostel. And I don't know if any other people have been to Dubrovnik, but like this was like, I don't even, it's not in like old town it's like in the more new area. But there's lots of stairs and I didn't know that was going to happen. So I'd like walked this like whole way and I'd walked up like some hills and over like where I was getting to. And um, it was like, because I think I looked up and it was like a 40 minute walk. And I was like, I can do that. Like easy, you know, walking. No worries. No worries. I'm like 30 minutes into the walk. I've gotten the most way. And I go, okay, there's like, like, why is it saying still 10 minutes away? Like there's literally like two streets to get there. And I I make this turn and I come up and I'm like, oh, there's an alleyway I need to go down. And I turn to the alleyway and there are like so many stairs and I've got my backpack and I'm already sweating profusely. Your backpack was big on that trip too. No, this was with the other backpack. This is when we'd swapped. But okay. still, even then it was, still, it was still heavy and big. And I was like, fuck, okay. Sorry, am I allowed to sweat? <laughs> yeah. um, I now have to go up these stairs and I walked – I got off the stairs. I still went up the stairs. I was like, I'm doing it. And I got into the hostel and I was like soaking wet. (laughs) And I walked in there and this like old Croatian woman's like, hmm, you walked here, didn't you? (laughs) Because I was just so wet. And she was like, here, have some watermelon. And I was like, oh, you're my savior. Um, Uh, That's hilarious. (laughs) So, yeah, that was probably the actual sweatiest I've ever been besides being in sauna and in India just you sweat without even realizing you're sweating <laughs> right yeah I like that but yeah it was like I think it, and it was like at least 35 degrees already at like nine in the morning mm. so it was like in the height of summer so mm. yeah um <laughs> if people want to find out more about you yeah if people want to work with you yep 
where can they find you? Yeah, I've got, um, I'm on Instagram, I'm very active on Instagram. So you can find me at Kristen Bliss. It's K-R-I-S-T-I-N. I've got two eyes. Bliss, that's my dad's dad joke. Um, and my website's <laughs> www.kristenedwards.com.au. Um, it's funny how those dad jokes stick with you through your whole life. I mean, I like a dad joke, but that was pretty bad. Yeah. Well, it helps people remember. <laughs> so, I've got two eyes in my name. Um, and yeah, kristenedwards.com.au. Um, you can email me, kristenkinesiology at gmail.com. And I'm a kinesiologist. I do distance healings and sessions. I also um, do intuition workshops, meditation groups, women's circles if you're up in the Sunshine Coast and other fun ceremony um, type things too. Um, you also have a self-love course too. I also have a self-love course, um, which if you're interested in, please reach out to me because I'm in the process of um, relaunching that pretty soon. And yeah, there's lots of other things in the pipeline um, and a podcast very soon Ooh. as well. So I look forward to having you in return on my podcast. That'll be a joy. I like being <laughs> guests on podcasts. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a really insightful conversation. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here. And uh, one of the pleasures of us living in the same place is uh, now we can go and eat some fruit together. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on and really holding space so that I could flow with whatever wanted to come through me. So thank you. You're welcome. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review and subscribe to stay up to date with the latest episodes.